This episode is sponsored in part by Privacy. It's like a burner phone for credit cards. To sign up for free and get a $5 credit, go to privacy.com slash GOG. That's $5 free to spend anywhere by just signing up. Privacy.com slash GOG. Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Brian, we're getting old, right? Yes, we are. Now, as a dev for so long, mm-hmm. I was always averse to actually changing the default font size on my browser because when you're building websites, you need it to be saved for the default, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Dawned on me yesterday, I'm not a web dev anymore. <laughs> I can make the font on my browser bigger so I don't have to be squinting so damn much. Yeah. It's really nice. Isn't it, though? I haven't actually done that yet. I have a, a perverse psychological block towards increasing the font size on either my phone or my computer. I'm, I'm holding on to, with dear life. Yeah, so. <laughs> I gave up the ghost, and now yes. I can see again. I've actually got an eye appointment on Friday because I just am blind as a bat. These damn progressive lenses, if anybody out there is thinking of getting progressive lenses, you know, the one, I, 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 well, are progressive the ones that get dark when you go inside? I don't know. You're talking to it, somebody that had better than normal vision most of his life up until now. So I know nothing about glasses. Okay. I'm, I'm in for a lot of learning real soon, I'm sure. Yeah, I've got the ones that are like, you know, bifocals and trifocals. So if you tilt your head, everything like is, you know, you're supposed to be able to read on them. Well, since I got these, everything looks like it's through a tilt shift lens. So, mm. or like a tilt shift filter. So nothing is ever in focus properly. And I've had them for two years and they are, they're terrible. I'm going back to old school. And if I got to get reading glasses, that's fine. Cause now I, I just don't care. I, I, <laughs> I've given up, but man, these glasses suck. I'm married. I have a kid. I might as well get the damn reading glasses. Cause I, I certainly need them. Just go down to the grocery store and get some, you know, uh, just little mm, reader glasses. Those won't look good. I need something that at least looks good. Why you're going to, are you going to be wearing your reading glasses out like around town while you're riding your bird scooter? Yeah, and you know, I've got to update my Snap stories and my Insta stories, man. So you need prescription <laughs> Snap glasses. That's what you need. Right, yes. Well, conveniently, they're down the street. I'll drop in on them. Oh, wait, nobody's there. Uh, they're all at the warehouse trying to burn <laughs> the evidence. Yeah. We have a little bit of follow-up. Uh, just last week with uh, the lovely Dave Bittner, we were talking about uh, why the Chinese government would be hacking sites like Marriott.com and, and things of such nature. And it's basically just a giant data slurp. Uh, grabbing everything they possibly can because maybe something will be useful later. Looks like they're not the only people in the game right now. Wired has an interesting report about a worldwide hacking spree that's using DNS trickery to nab data. And apparently it's uh, Iranian hackers that are doing it this time around. So uh, a lot of people out there just slurping up all the data that they possibly can. Now, I wonder if we, the United States, are doing that as well. We've hmm. been doing that for decades, <laughs> decades. It's World yeah. War II. I think, I think we probably still have intercepts from, like, you know, the Germans that we're <laughs> waiting to decrypt. Well, again, the difference now, though, is uh, those, were, those were definitely military communiques that we were slurping up. But uh, now everybody's fair game. It is, uh, let's get everything that we possibly can and store it and hope that someday we can crack it if it happens to be encrypted. And if not, just get it, get it, get it. It's the get it world, Jason. Now, this next article I found isn't specifically about tech, but it is about the fact that, <laughs> oh, we have studies, then somebody comes along and reverses the studies, then somebody comes along and re-reverses the studies. This one is called, Is Sunscreen the New yes. Margarine? over at OutsideOnline.com. And 
I, mm-hmm. I don't wear sunscreen. I have not worn sunscreen for 20, 30 years. So I'm probably going to get skin cancer. But they say that I'm, you know, eight times less likely to die from it in the study. But it's an interesting article with actual science from real scientists. And I think that, you know, we may have been sold a bill of goods. Well, people who bought sunscreen are probably sold a bill of goods. But uh, what did you think about this one? Because I see you have a follow up in here. Well, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, hold that thought about real science with real scientists. And uh, let me get into this just on a personal level. I have mm-hmm. had stage three melanoma. I have had a golf ball sized chunk removed from my leg. Um, I caught it quickly, and if I had not, I would not be sitting here now talking to you. So I urge everybody to make an appointment with their dermatologist. Now, you did not grow up in sunny Southern California, so what I learned from getting my stage 3 melanoma is these things are 20 to 30 years old. Um, basically, the, these cancers grow for that long of a period of time. They have a, It's the exposure that you had 20 to 30 years ago. As a kid, we did not wear tons of sunscreen. As a kid, you know, you would refuse to wear it anyways. I am an avid sunscreen wearer now. I wear it when I put, you know, I go out on my bike rides and my shorts and my t-shirt when it's not fucking raining like it is in Southern California right now. I, but I slather myself mm-hmm. up because I have had skin cancer and uh, I was doing it before that. Uh, there is uh, and it helps. Now, the study that you are talking about, there has been uh, some backlash about it obviously. Uh, and there was a really interesting article over on Slate by somebody who is a was a product reviewer for scientist though, for not years. a scientist. And basically, not a scientist, but she spoke to many, many scientists. And let's see, let me find the exact part here where they were basically saying that the person who did that study admits that there was some shady science that it was based on. So to begin with, Jacobson, who did the study, says it was based on some things that the here let's see here we go jacobson takes pains throughout his piece to acknowledge that his thesis is supported by a new small line of research that is regarded with skepticism within the dermatology community which is all the more reason not to take the piece as advice on how to live your daily life or at least not yet so this is an early study that has not been proven not been not been there's no clinical backdrops on it there are no confirming studies there's no nothing For example, he strongly evokes the health of our ancestors who lived outdoors in tropical regions and ran around half naked without noting the improvements in lifespan since, despite that being an incredibly relevant factor to cancer incidence. Now, here's the problem with your your Slate article. She's talking about Rowan Jacobson, who is the author of the article, not the scientists behind it. He is talking to the different scientists. He talked to the researchers from Edinburgh, Richard Weller, and he talked to, uh, was it Peller Lindquist? The, the other doctor, this guy is just, he's, mm-hmm. a, he's an author. So she was saying that this right. guy is doing the research, which means she didn't even get the article that it came from and was completely misattributing the research to different people. That's, that's where I really kind of draw the line at that. We will do our own cohort-based study. You can continue to not wear your sunscreen here in Southern mm-hmm. California. I will continue to do so, and we shall de- see who dies from skin cancer. Okay, I'm fine with that because <laughs> I spent my entire youth outside on a skateboard, and I am a okay so far. Right, and and uh, the other thing, interesting thing I found about this article is the main point of of the first study was that oh, we're doing ourselves harm because we're not getting vitamin D. And from the personal research part of this, the the woman that wrote this article who was doing product reviewing gigs said that. I don't care how well you put on sunscreen. It's not that effective. You're still getting your vitamin D. You're not covering yourself up as well as you think you are. Also, I would like to hear that from a scientist, not an author for Slate. (laughs) 
That's that's it. And the the big problem where this came out is that vitamin D supplements have turned out to be bunk, as is as are most supplements. Same with fish oil and all that crap. Oh yeah, they're totally bunk. The only way you can get your vitamin D is through the sun. Yeah, exposure to the sun. That's it. End of story. So that's. But the the whole point of this is that all these things keep coming up, and so I'm going to go eat a dozen yes. eggs. And yep, I'm with you on not that. Die of <laughs> cholesterol poisoning. And I guess my point to you being is that we will inevitably see the scientific study that says that no sunscreen is effective and you should use it. And then five years later, we're going to get another one that says don't. Here's so. the deal: we're going to die anyway. I, yes, we're all going. I don't die. give a shit. <laughs> uh, so I found I found this while I was researching some more scooter news. I was I was on my scoot scoot news this week. And I found mm-hmm. the Super Ride self-balancing electric unicycle S1000 one-wheel electric scooter with single fat tire and 100-watt motor. I found this over at uh, – oh, I found it on a couple of things, but I dug it up on Amazon. And there's a video right. of it in action on Amazon. And this is the dumbest-looking <laughs> thing I've ever seen. This definitely looks dumber than a scooter. Did you get a watch? Did you watch the video? It does. Yes, and there's only one person in the entire universe I can imagine that would be into this, and that's Adam Carolla, who is perversely proud of his unicycle riding skills. Editor's note, Brian meant Adam Savage, not Adam Carolla. Yeah, because he, he's got a one wheel, but I don't know. I don't think he has this one wheel, and uh, it's $1,400. $1,400. Also, the only person that can afford it. Now, Brian, I was watching the news yesterday because it's raining here in lovely Southern California, and I wanted to see if there were any mudslides in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But on every news channel, every <laughs> single news channel that I came across, it was all about a fucking egg getting likes on Instagram. <laughs> fucking egg. Was, well, it was in the news on every channel. Yes. Not, not the mudslides. An egg. An egg. Can you, what, what the hell's going on here? It got more like, it's the most liked photo on Instagram now. It beat Kylie Jenner's record. Who the fuck cares? I support anything beating anything from the Kardashians. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, all it does is really put them back in the news. And I'm sure somebody, uh, idiots out there are working just as hard to get Kylie Jenner's record back up there as they are trying to get her to become the first self-made billionaire. That was all in air quotes, of course. Oh, yeah. So such, so, so self-made. Yeah, so, so self-made. self-made. Well, continuing on with the viral world, I love this because we've been talking about it for a while. Uh, YouTube is all full of clips of virtual assistants misunderstanding children's requests. My son is definitely taken to running up to my Alexa and going, Alexa, light on, light off. But he still can't quite get it right. So it is very amusing. And if you haven't seen it, one is particularly going crazy viral right now. A small girl in a coat standing on the floor facing an Amazon Alexa on her counter says, Alexa, play baby chair, meaning baby shark. It fails, but she keeps trying with increasing urgency. Pay be sure, blah, 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 and it's quite funny. It got uh, so popular that, of course, she was invited on the Today Show to repeat it. And uh, this article is about the unique pleasures of watching Alexa deny children what they want. Uh, and this, <laughs> I have to admit that there's something there. And as the author points out, uh, the author says, I have to admit that there's something disturbing about the Alexa fail genre. Uh, within a few years, these children and these charming snippets will have learned how to interact seamlessly with their digital assistants in their home. They'll remember to firmly state Alexa at the beginning of each command. They'll intuitively string together search terms and slightly over-enunciate each word in the stilted style the devices require. And it'll be weird because they'll be fully trained to live with a surveillance device that by then may be present in every room in the house. We did say that these devices <laughs> are training us. So yes, this, they is are. this is proof. This is proof. They are definitely training us. Oh, man. So... Uh, speaking of Amazon, though, I got a box this week, and for the first time, I thought, man, somebody over at Amazon's pretty damn smart. 
There was advertising on the box. Oh, the I've been getting those for a while. Yeah. Did you this Chevy Silverado box? Uh, no, it was something else. I can't remember what it was, but I remember looking at it and going, "Yeah, it was just a matter of time, wasn't it?" Well, I mean, it's usually just Amazon stuff that they're pimping mm-hmm. on the box. This is the first time it's a third party, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first time they've done it, and it was it was interesting. I'm like, it's about time. You know, they've got mm-hmm. all this real estate that everybody sees that sits out in front of people's houses. Yep. And people use it to reship their stuff because nobody needs to buy a cardboard box anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they did 7 million or 7.1 million boxes of these, which is uh, that's a decent ad buy, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, Chevrolet has gone like to the mattresses on this new Silverado campaign because I got my Bon Appetit magazine yesterday and it, the whole front was a sticker which had a Chevy Silverado on it. I don't know what the crossover is for people who read Bon Appetit magazine and a pickup (laughs) truck, but I guess they're just banking on that somebody somewhere might buy a truck. In the news. Oh, this was a big one this week. Bird sent a cease and desist letter to Cory Doctorow. Over a copyright infringement for the DMCA Section 1201. Yes, and quite a few people sent us this on social media as well, so thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you know anything about Cory Doctorow, you know he is a man that you do not mess with when it comes to copyright. No. Period. <laughs> Period. So he got, it, he got it and called up his buddies at the EFF, who is basically Boing Boing's counsel, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, uh, that's dumb. <laughs> we're just gonna we're gonna reply to that and they published everything on boing boing the the entire takedown notice because it was about linking to an article on a on a message board which we all know is dumb and we've been through this time and time again and apparently <laughs> the number of these takedown notices has been increasing not decreasing so there's a yeah. lot of really stupid lawyers that are coming into the into the scene nowadays yeah. and of course bird has apologized they have apologized and they said, yet, of course, it was human error right. said, in the quest for curbing illegal activities related to our vehicles. Our legal team is overstretched and sent a takedown request related to the issue to a member of the media. Bird celebrates freedom in many ways, freedom from traffic <laughs> congestion, as well as freedom of speech. Oh, <laughs> Fuck boy. you. Fuck you, Bird. <laughs> I finally saw my first bird scooter in the neighborhood. They, the oh. birds have landed now. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, of course it was in the it like in the middle of the neighborhood, like not anywhere, just in the sidewalk for no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess that they're just they're everywhere. I want to go back and watch that South Park episode again because that was just genius, and it's so true. It is so true. Yeah. Now we've talked an awful lot about how nothing lasts forever. First there was a Friendster, and then came along MySpace, and now there's Facebook. And certainly Facebook is is enjoying a much longer shelf life than most of the others did, thanks to many factors, including just having peak saturation and all of that. Uh, but we've often wondered, well, what's going to be next? There's going to have to be something. I think we may know what it is, or certainly at least a model for it, because in China, nobody gives a crap about Facebook. Everybody is on something called WeChat. Mm-hmm. And there's this great New York Times article with a Chinese journalist talking about uh, the, the basically they, they do this recurring series where they ask people what apps they're using. And she just basically goes on and on about basically it's not an exaggeration to say I live and work on WeChat, a messaging app that's the equivalent of WhatsApp plus Facebook plus PayPal plus Uber plus Grubhub plus many other things. It's basically an all in one app in China that everybody is on. And if you're not on it, you're out of the conversation and you're out of social life. So 
Facebook, you better watch your ass. There's already something beating you in the biggest country in the world. And it's only a matter of time before somebody's able to unlock something like that here. Well, Facebook's trying. I mean, with <laughs> with all of the different properties they're buying and trying to integrate everything into it, you know, they're trying the to problem is their integration. Their integration is horrible, and they're yeah. not entirely a hundred percent convinced that they want to integrate because you can see the separation that Facebook always tries to keep between themselves and Instagram. It's weird. Like, obviously, people want integration. You have eight hundred million internet users in China, all of them, and over a billion WeChat accounts, which means that. Users are making multiple accounts for different personas, which is even crazier. Well, there's a there's a little difference that happens in China. Well, you notice the that whole, there's yeah. no, no, no <laughs> Facebook in China. The, the government stifles competition because they yes. want to be able to watch everything. And the best way to do that is to have everything under one umbrella, which is WeChat. Yes, and, and she addresses that. She says, by now, some readers must be screaming, how about the censorship and government surveillance on WeChat? Sadly, it's just the way of life in China. I'm not trying to make light of the issue. I've been very critical of how the tech companies work with the government to censor and monitor the Chinese public. But the reality is that ordinary Chinese often feel powerless and fatalistic when it comes to censorship and surveillance. How are Americans starting to feel about censorship and surveillance, Jason? Pretty much exactly the same way. Exactly. <laughs> And that rolls nicely into a TechCrunch article I found called Our Dystopian Cyberpunk Here and Now. And it, it's an article by this guy, John Evans. Mm -hmm. And it talks about uh, Xinjiang. I think that's how you'd pronounce it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a province or a city up in northwest China that is under full-time surveillance all the time. Video cameras everywhere. You just can't get away from them up there. Right. And this is, you know... The, the interesting thing is, you know, part of the ethnic cleansing that was going on there as well, because they're trying to find these people who are, you know, dissidents and of different religions and things like that, that they want to get rid of. And it's a really nasty bit of news. So if you want to go dig into that one, go for it. I'm not going to cover it on the show here, but mm -hmm. it's like this is kind of like this really is a William Gibson novel <laughs> that's playing yeah. out over there. It right. really is. And it's coming everywhere. So yeah. it's one of those things where you just kind of, are we going to stand up and fight against it or are we just going to let it happen? Yeah. Or are we just going to feel powerless and fatalistic as yeah. most people do? Yeah. And continuing with our China segment, apparently, um, there's a really great, there's a short YouTube clip, which we link to in our news. This is for, from 60 Minutes, which did an interview with Kai-Fu Lee, a pioneer in artificial intelligence and venture capital based in China. Um, you can watch the short clip, and that basically tells you all you need to know. We also, I also include in the show notes the full transcript of the discussion. Um, but this gets back to our AI stuff, what's going to happen with AI and jobs. And he is saying that AI will displace 40% of the world's job within as soon as 15 years. Um, he's got a more long form book coming out that I'm definitely going to read uh, about uh, the coming destruction of jobs in a book called AI Superpowers, China, Silicon Valley and the New World Order. Um, so he's basically saying uh, they ask him what sort of jobs are going to be lost to AI. And he's saying chauffeurs, truck drivers, anyone who does driving for a living, their jobs will be disrupted more and they're going to be gone. Jobs that seem a little bit more complex, like chef, waiter, and a lot of things will become automated because we'll have automated stores, automated restaurants. And within 15 years, that's going to displace about 40% of the jobs in the world. Um, and then they ask him, well, what does that do to the fabric of society? And here's kind of what you've always said. Um, in some sense, there is the human wisdom that always overcomes these technology revolutions. The invention of the steam engine, the sewing machine, electricity have all displaced jobs and we've gotten over it. The challenge of AI is that this is bigger. This is 40%. It's huge, it's, and it's coming a lot faster than previous rev, rev, revolutions. Bleh. 
Um, so he's basically says that it's still, and then he gets into the thing that we always talk about, which is AI is not really that smart. It's not general AGI. It's not artificial general intelligence. It's just AI. So there's still creativity. There's still intelligence. There's still humanity that is at play here. Um, and he doesn't believe that we will ever get AGI because he thinks that there's something specific about the human soul. So there's a bit of hope, maybe. Okay. Uh, I mentioned this on the show before, but apparently you were tuned out when uh, when I said it. There's a very long-form interview with Kai-Fu Lee over at the Jordan Harbinger show. We sat with him for about 45 minutes and got a lot more in-depth than the 60 Minutes piece. So I'll put a link in the show notes for that episode. It's definitely worth listening to because he goes deeper. I didn't not okay. hear that, and he does go deeper. But this is for people who don't want to go deeper and want the quick <laughs> update, Jason. Well, I gave the quick update before, Brian. Anyway, uh, definitely check out the book. It's it's not bad at all if you want to get deep into this stuff. It is out now. You can get it uh, at Amazon or Audible, and we will also link that in the show notes. Kai-Fu Lee is a very smart guy. Yep. Very smart guy. I mean, he used to be the head of Google China back when Google was in China. and <laughs> <laughs> Well, they will be again. I don't care what everybody else says. Yeah, they're coming back. They're coming yep. back. But uh, yeah, definitely check his stuff out. Yep. And in frightening but tasty news, CRISPR is starting to uh, get out there. The humble tomato is about to get a makeover. Plant physiologists in Brazil and Ireland, kind of a weird combination of places, but uh, they're doing it together, are researching how to use the gene editing tool CRISPR-Cas9 to create the world's first spicy tomato. Apparently, mm. tomatoes are particularly uh, a good choice to use for messing around with stuff for whatever technical reasons. And uh, they want to uh, basically give them some heat and turn them into larger, more robust peppers. So we will soon have red hot chili tomatoes. Okay. The best new band in the world. Worst new band <laughs> in the world. I, I mean, I'm down for a spicy tomato. I like tomatoes, so I'm yeah, Italian. I, me too, but you know, what could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? And going back to some AI stuff here, Google is looking at AI transcription to search, analyze, and instantly translate podcasts. Do you mean we're going to stop getting all those emails asking us if we want to hire people to, tr to transcribe our podcasts? Exactly. This is a real-world <laughs> business that is probably going to get uh, hammered from this. And, you know, the, the problem is you do have machine transcriptions and translations right now, and they're mm -hmm. not good enough. They're no. close, but not good enough. You still need a human to go through the entire thing. It gets you, it, you know, it gets you about 75% of the way there. We did one a couple years back, didn't we, Jason? I just remember it being hilarious. It was like, oh, it was, meat, yeah. Meat sauce taco technology AI taco meat. <laughs> that was kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> and there are a couple of them out there that I've had to use with clients. And they're, I mean, if you're using them not for transcription, but just for, you know, placing points in a show where you can say, oh, like at this point, cut something and do something else with it or things like that. Mm -hmm. It's like a nice baseline to just get some words on a page that you can kind of go through, but yeah. it's, it's, it's more work than it's worth. And <laughs> hopefully they'll figure this stuff out because it would be nice because I've got a couple of friends who are deaf who would love to listen to our show or read our mm -hmm. show. And we yeah. just can't afford to do transcriptions for every episode. It's just, it's cost prohibitive, you yep. know? So hopefully this will, this will be a new thing because Google is ramping up their, their podcast play. They've, they've added a bunch of new features in the new beta of the Google Podcast Player, including subscriptions, finally. You'd think that would be, you know, I don't know, a launch feature, but <laughs> um, they're adding a bunch we'll, of stuff We'll add to that it, so in we'll on see. version 2.0. Come on. Who needs yeah. that? Who wants to subscribe to a podcast? <laughs> uh, so keep an eye out for this. It's coming. 
This episode is exclusively sponsored by Privacy.com. Privacy is the first payments product that keeps your personal information private while being even more convenient than using a regular credit card online. Privacy lets you generate a brand new Visa card number for every purchase you make with one click with their browser extension or mobile app. We all buy stuff online more and more, and Privacy gives you a temp credit card number for every site you buy from. Never forget to cancel subscriptions or trials ever again. That alone is worth the price of admission, and oh yeah, the price of admission is totally free. They make their money the same way debit cards do, with the interchange fee paid by merchants. I spent about two hours this weekend going through and getting rid of every single credit card I have online. All I have now are privacy.com cards. And it is great to know that when I go to bed at night, nobody's going to be stealing my debit card. And I also set some really nice spending limits, like, you know, sometimes I'll have a little bit of wine and Jason Despendy Poo likes to get up and hit the old Amazon. Well, you know, it's uh, it's got a, got a cap on it now, which is one of the great features of privacy.com. You can set spending caps like based on time. So per week, per month, it's pretty awesome. They've got an iOS app and an Android app. And my favorite, though, is the browser extension. You can just do it right from the browser tab and it'll do auto population for you, too. So if you go to a new site, it can you can create a card right there on the spot and it ties into your funding source and Bob's your uncle. It is amazing. If you use a password manager, and why don't you if you listen to this show, you should use this. You don't use the same password everywhere, so why use the same credit card number? Cards are locked to a merchant, so you don't have to worry about changing your card everywhere if one gets hacked. And the great part is, if a site gets hacked, you'll probably know about it before they will. Sign up takes less than two minutes, and like I said, it's completely free. Look, it's controlled. You can freeze cards and set spending limits. It's secure. Cards lock to merchants, making them useless to thieves and hackers. It's private. Protect yourself from online fraud with virtual card numbers. And it's disposable. Delete cards at any time and kiss forgotten subscriptions goodbye. To sign up for free and get a $5 credit, just go to privacy.com slash GOG. That's $5 free to spend anywhere by just signing up at privacy.com slash GOG. It's a no-brainer, guys. Seriously, get on it. Privacy.com slash GOG. Media Candy. Brian, I watched Bird Box on your recommendation. I already know what you think of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because I had to tweet about it. What a dumb fucking movie. I thought it was just fine. It was okay. It was far too long, but it was fine. It was well done. It was nice. The length did not bother me. The pacing did not bother me. The ending Mm. bothered me. All right. Because there wasn't one. (sighs) No, there wasn't. No. No, it was what somebody uh, posted uh, when I when I posted my tweet. They're like, it's the happening all over again. Oh, God. Yeah, that's actually kind of true in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. So to cleanse my palate, I had to watch an actual good movie again. And I noticed The Dark Knight was on Netflix. So I sat back, poured myself a glass of wine and watched that soup to nuts again. And man, that is a, a picture perfect movie from start to finish. It is a good one, isn't it? Oh, man. Go back and watch it again if you haven't seen it in a while. Heath Ledger is just so goddamn good in it. Such a waste. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of Netflix and the fact that everybody has to sue over everything, uh, who did not see this coming? The Choose Your Own Adventure publisher is suing Netflix over Bandersnatch. Yeah. <sighs> Choose Co. LLC, the company known for publishing the Choose Your Own Adventure book series, popular in the 80s and 90s, is claiming Netflix infringed upon its trademarks, according to Variety. Uh, Netflix did attempt to attain a license trademark in the past meaning that their lawyers kind of went hmm we may be treading on some weird ground here if we try to do this technology and uh, never reached a deal with the publisher so uh you know in typical fashion 
we can't do it legally. We're going to do it anyways. And now they'll get sued and probably give them a couple hundred thousand dollars and call it a day. Probably a couple million dollars, I'm guessing. Yeah, probably a couple million, yeah. Yeah. But if, if they wouldn't give them a license, they had to, you know, they had to bird it. They had to yes. lime it. They had to scooter yes. it and just, we, or just Uber it. <laughs> they won't let us do it. We're going to do it anyway. Yep. <laughs> Damn it. They should have just bought mm. the company. <laughs> probably yeah, been cheaper. No shit. Who the well, hell's buying Choose it. Your Own Adventure books anymore? <laughs> no. uh, also, back over on Netflix, I watched a show called Insta Famous. These are like eight minute snippets of influencers on Netflix. I mean, on Instagram. Yes. You, uh, you sent me a, you sent me a note saying, if I watch it, remove any sharp objects from the room. So I decided, eh, I just won't watch it. You should watch one or two of them. They're, they're infuriating. <laughs> infuriating. I'm like, what is the point? What is the point of this? I don't yeah. know. And how did it get on Netflix? I mean, you and I could have done something better with two weeks and a couple cameras. It is content, terrible. Content, content, It is content. They need the content. And speaking of content, do you remember that show Follow This, Brian, from BuzzFeed over on Netflix? Vaguely. Yeah, they're on season three now, which I can't right. believe because season one was like two weeks ago. They've got an episode called Scooter Wars. And you should check it out because it's all in your neighborhood. And oh, they, great. They, send out, they send out a reporter and he wears his helmet. And he scoots around, but he's scooting around on the boardwalk, which is, I think, pretty much where you shouldn't be riding them. Nope. And it's uh, it's an interesting take on it. He's kind of a wishy-washy reporter. He doesn't really mm -hmm. take a side, which I guess, you know, as a reporter, you're not really supposed to do. You're not but... supposed to. That's the way journalism used to work. <laughs> used to work. Yeah. And uh, he, he tried to get an interview with Vander Zander and did, he got in touch with some of their their legal people and just talked to a lot of people locally in the neighborhood. And there's one surfer dude in there who's a charger that is just a moron. He's just a moron, <laughs> which I, I've been to. I've been to your part of town. There are a lot of those guys out there. Yes. It's 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 like short. It's 20 minutes. It's worth a watch if you want to get some more detail on what's going on with the scooter wars. But I think <laughs> after watching this. Brian, I think we need to start up a dockless cinder block company so we can leave them in front of the Lyme and Bird corporate offices every day. I think that's a great idea. I think so, too. I did see a movie this week. Mm -hmm. Bad Times at the El Royale. Oh, I'm curious what you think, because this was almost up on my airplane adventures. Um, I was going to watch it, but I didn't get around to it. It is fantastic. Oh, it good. is so good. It It's, oh, it's Tarantino-esque. But mm -hmm. not is, you know, I don't know. It's it doesn't have the same Tarantino-ness that his movies do, but it's it's similar in nature to some of his movies. But I'm not going to spoil anything, but I highly recommend this. If you want a good like, you know, rainy day movie because it's raining here a lot now, um, watch mm -hmm. it at night. Don't watch it during the day. Have a cocktail and just kick back and watch it. It is. I loved every minute of it. It was so good. Great. Can't wait. And uh, Gotham is back. Anybody who watches Gotham season season five, I think this is. And it's the final season. So if you've been uh, been on the fence about watching this season, check it out. They're going they're going balls to the wall on it. I'm really enjoying it. I've loved this series uh, since it came out. And uh, yeah, I love it. So good. Excellent. Uh, I started listening to a new podcast because everybody has a podcast now. I'm listening to Clear and Vivid with Alan Alda. Now, 
I've always been a huge Alan Alda fan. I love him. I love MASH. I love his autobiography. I love his worldview. I like everything about the guy. And on the plus side, uh, it's, this, this entire podcast is about communication. And that's that's his focus right now. And um, he makes no money from it. All the money that he makes from it goes directly to, I can't remember the name of the institute, but it's, it goes directly to some sort of collegiate thing. I mm-hmm. don't remember what it is, but so that's great. Um, and it's phenomenal. I, I've only listened to one so far. He had Jaron Lanier on and uh, he really kind of breaks down. He breaks down hard subjects, forces the interviewers to kind of really explain things in layman's terms. So Alan Alda himself can get it in such a very charming way. And I just like hearing his voice. His voice is very soothing to me. So I highly recommend this podcast. He has a lot of really great experts on he, uh, a lot of different weird topics. Um, I'm really getting into it after the first one. Uh, I'm not a Rachel Ray fan, but I'm really enjoying the episode with Rachel Ray that I haven't even finished yet because Alan Alda really just brings something out of these people that I enjoy. So good podcast. I've listened to about 15 episodes of that and then uh, mm-hmm. turned it off for a while because I just got busy. Right. I went back and I started to listen to the Jared episode last night, but I fell asleep. I went back and listened to the Christian Picciolini episode because I was actually supposed to interview him in about three hours, but he canceled. Jerk. Right. Um, And uh, he's a great guy, though. Definitely listen to that one. And uh, no, it's a good show. It's definitely a good show. I, I, I enjoyed it. And uh, I've talked about how Underworld is currently releasing a whole bunch of new songs and remixes and all that sort of stuff, but not doing it in the traditional album format, which is a bit uh, millennial, I suppose. Don't mind it, but I like having albums albums. And conveniently for me, they've kind of put together they've put together Spotify playlists of all these different outtakes and remixes and such. So for us old people who like to have collections put together for you we have a link in the show notes which has a link to four separate underworld playlists most of which contain completely new underworld music it's all quite good well all right then yeah and we've learned a bit more about picard the picard series coming on cbs uh, show creator alex kurtzman has revealed that the streaming show will tie into events mentioned in jj abrams 2009 star trek movie which is kind of a bummer kind of hoping that they would avoid the whole reboot thing. So in the first Abrams flick, Spock mentions that he failed to save the Romulan homeworld, Romulus, from a supernova that followed several years after Star Trek Nemesis. That event in the subsequent end of the Romulan Empire radically alters Picard's life. So we shall see what happens. But it sounds like it's going to be on the original timeline. It's not going to be I hope so. on the new timeline. It's like it's going to be yeah. on the timeline that Spock left. Yeah, that is the hope. Yeah, that is definitely the hope. And uh, this, this makes me happy. Since we're losing all of the other great shows on Netflix, like Daredevil and everything else. Yes. Well, and some not so great shows like Iron Fist and you know, <laughs> Luke Cage. I came around Iron Fist a bit at the end, sadly. Yeah, I know. That's why I don't want to watch it. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, I want to get into it. And then we know it's not coming back. Uh, the Punisher mm-hmm. is back for season two on Friday. All right. I'm really looking forward to that. Any word if this is the final season? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, on Saturday, it'll probably get canceled. Yeah, so, I'm guessing. <laughs> but the the Punisher season one was one of the better shows that they've ever put out. It was so mm. good. Very violent, very just gritty. I loved it. Right. And Stranger Things season three is coming back July 14th, mm-hmm. which was a surprise. It was a shocker. I didn't think. Uh, is it July 4th? I believe. Oh, sorry. July 4th. Yes. 4th of July. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I thought we were going to have to wait till October again or something like Me that. Me too. But I'm, I'm surprised that they're putting it out that early as well. Mm hmm. And also on Friday the 18th, the Grand Tour is back. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we'll see. I'm 
I'm going to watch it. I still, I'm, you know, I'm still intrigued. I'm still intrigued. I'm looking forward to the follow-up season after this one when it's all just the big, uh, the big touring things. Yeah. We shall see. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely going to, I'm going to, I'm going to dip my toes in. Why not? Uh, okay. Also starting on the 18th, Frankie and Grace is coming back with, which I can't believe is season five. I guess I really burned through the first couple seasons quickly. It is a very funny show. I, I cannot, uh state that enough it's well worth it uh on the 17th the day before star trek discovery will start airing so uh fire up your subscriptions or your connections to sweden as the case may be this is gonna be a busy weekend (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) very busy weekend i'm gonna need lots of coffee and lots of wine uh and of course game of thrones is back on april 14th with a new trailer which i was the new trailer was pretty good i gotta say the new trailer's really good (laughs) yeah (laughs) got a little goosebumpy there i gotta admit yep yep it's gonna be pretty cool can't wait at the library I needed a break from hard sci-fi and tech and everything altogether, and I found something really uh, definitely far away from that. This is Approval Junkie, my heartfelt and occasionally inappropriate quest to please just about everyone, and ultimately myself by Faith Saley. If you don't know who Faith Saley is, she's a regular on uh, the NPR show Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and she's very funny. Uh, she has a long history in Hollywood. Uh, she's even uh, guested on, I believe, uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine as a semi-recurring character for a while. And uh, she hosts some show on CBS, or she's on CBS Sunday morning thing that I never watched, so I don't know her from that. Um, Very funny. Uh, A highly enjoyable book. Um, Just, uh, it's when comedians write good, good, you know, autobiography type things, you can't go wrong. So very much enjoyed it. It was a quick read, and it was a nice break from sci-fi dystopias. Moron of the Week! CES always brings us wonderful things for Moron of the Week, but I think this one uh, takes the cake, or the shitter, as the case (laughs) may be. Uh, The 146-year-old plumbing company Kohler has already stolen the show with what will be 2019's hottest gadget, an intelligent toilet with a fully immersive experience, built-in surround sound speakers, ambient mood lighting, and Amazon Alexa voice controls for your toilet. Now, does this come with like a built-in bidet, like those Japanese toilet seats? No, no, they couldn't bother with that, even though it costs $7,000. What's the point? <laughs> Unless you can say... As the, Verge po- as the Verge points out, truly, we live in an age of wonders. <laughs> yeah, unless you can say, Alexa, wipe my ass, then what's the point? Yeah, yeah. Alexa, blow uh, water up my butt. Yeah. Uh, Kohler's Numi 2.0 Intelligent Toilet is one of those strange products that draws so heavily on buzzwords and tech trends that it's indistinguishable from parody. Does it come with blockchain? <laughs> Shit on the blockchain. Shit on the blockchain. And of course, because uh, people are stupid, Netflix's Bird Box inspires teen leads to predictable results. Yes, people are actually trying to do the Bird Box challenge where they drive a car with their blindfold on. And yes, well, guess what? They crash. Go It doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and surprise. When you eat some Tide, you get sick. People are so stupid. Yes, and thanks to uh, all of our listeners that sent us this story as well. We knew it was going to happen, didn't we? We knew it. Feedback loop. Over on Patreon, we've got some new Patreon subscribers. Michael J., Jonathan, Daniel, Michael L., and Mitch. And we've got some comments from Derek to start with. So, what the fuck is with the TED Style Talks popping up everywhere? I work in the event industry, and we have requests for TED Style Talks regularly. I believe these used to be called keynote speakers, and there was one. 
possibly a couple per event. Now it seems everyone is an expert in to stroke the ego. They label it Ted style to make it seem educational. Hashtag Ted stroked my ego. On a lighter note, corner gas on Prime is great. Well, you know, if you if you say you're something on LinkedIn, you are, right? Right. That's how it works now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can throw together a 10-minute talk about it. Good for you. Yeah. TEDx is not TED, by the way, people. You're fooling yourself no, if not. you think it is. It, Ted, TEDx is not TED. Yeah. It's a completely different thing. Uh, John also writes us over on Patreon. So I'd just like to throw my opinion in about millennials. I'm on the older range of that group, and I think there's a distinction between us ages 30-plus and those still in our 20s. I'm definitely closer to a younger Xer for most things than a hipster toast eating Instagram influencer type. Hashtag shrug. Yeah. Well, you know, takes all types. All right. There's a spectrum. There's a, and most of Just them like autism. I was saying, most of them are on the spectrum for sure. Jared writes in. So I'm doing the same thing as you, Jason. I bought a drone as well. I bought the unique Mantis Q instead of the Mavic Pro. I actually got the Mavic 2 Zoom. That's the one I got. I'm registering it tonight and we'll be working on my pilot license next like you are. Any suggestions on how to get into making money with the drone now? I've seen online selling photos and such you take is a good way to start, okay? But I'd like to get into surveying and such. Got any suggestions? As far as the surveying goes, I've been talking with friend of the show, David Teeter, about this. And I think it was the old 3D Robotics site with uh, Chris Anderson's company. They do a lot of the surveying stuff. And David actually went over to their offices to get the skinny on it. And it's kind of not ready for prime time yet. What I would suggest is get to know some local real estate people because they always need houses shot and you can make a decent chunk of money. That's what I that's how I'm going to pay mine off because I know a bunch of real estate people that always need drone footage of the houses. You can you still have to get your license to be able to make money, though. So until you get your license, you are going to be making money illegally if you do it. So <laughs> that's so once you get your license, you can do it or you can do it under the table and risk getting caught and getting fined. And uh, he also sends over a uh, was a recommendation for Harbor Freight for uh, Apache cases for the drones and uh, his firearms. But uh, I'll check those out. I actually have a case for mine, so I don't need one. But uh, if anybody's interested in cool cases like Pelican cases, but for different things, Harbor Freight. All right. Uh, Gianni also writes us in. Hi, the other day I heard you guys were reviewing some books and some of them fell into the fantasy genre. If I may suggest a book series, please read The Way of Kings, The Stormlight Archive, written by Brandon Sanderson. He is by far my favorite author since I discovered his work last year. The series is the only one that has got me goosebumps on audiobook format. Um, <clears throat> haven't read that, but we we did cover the his Reckoners series, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which we all read. Has there ever been any new ones in that? No, no that was done. So, they, right? he, he put a... Yeah, he quit it. Yeah, right? he basically yeah. like wrapped that one up. But it was a great thing. I don't read mm-hmm. fantasy books, though. I only read sci-fi books or regular books. Fantasy's not my, not my jam. You do read some fantasy books, but uh, they're called Discworld, and uh, they have to be humorous. Right. I mean, that was a long time ago. I, I look at those <laughs> as comedy books. I used to read fantasy books, but... It's just I I, I used I to read uh, what was that guy Piers Anthony I used to read him all the time too but I kind of those were comedy as well so yeah I never read any of his stuff but yeah, Brandon Sanderson's a great author so I'm sure it's a, I'm sure it's a well written series but yeah just not my jam but yeah definitely if you if you like Brandon Sanderson check out the Reckoner series it was top notch mm-hmm. and over on PayPal we got new donations from Linda and Jose and Jose says thank you guys well you're welcome Jose thank you you're welcome. Over on Facebook, uh, Paul sent us to a link to Dog Does Bird Box Challenge. I watched the video. It was cute, <laughs> but it, def- it was cute. definitely not a bloodhound, that dog. 
No. Definitely not a bloodhound. <laughs> and Benjamin also wrote us and says, Grumpy Old Geeks, you guys should check out the latest episode of Freakonomics Radio. It touches on how you pay for universal basic income and someone who's looking forward about AI. Um, Freakonomics Radio kind of dropped off my listening. I should, uh, I'll go find that episode because I'm always interested to hear what people are saying about that. Yeah, I got, I got burnout on them. It just kind of got too yeah. formulaic and I just, I, I, gave up on it so let me know how it is i might go back and listen to it if you give it a thumbs up okay and over on twitter super listener chad sent us a meme this is the uh, dosaki's guy facebook and the fbi say thank you for helping them update their facial recognition database with your current and 10 year ago pictures <laughs> jason is obviously not aware of this because he's not on facebook but that is the newest thing going through where people are posting a picture from 10 years ago side by side with a current picture to see how much you've changed and thus educating the government and making their facial recognition software well, I know about the meme, Brian, because everybody's doing it on Instagram. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I went back and I don't have any pictures of me 10 years ago, so I can't do it. I'm not a <laughs> selfie-taken narcissist. I try and stay away from the camera. So, sadly... I'm sure I have pictures from you from 10 years ago. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Oh, man. And here's an article uh, from Scott that says, Pearl is not an acronym. And <laughs> this is interesting. Someone, Some will say, after glancing at Man Pearl... That Pearl is an acronym for either Practical Extraction and Report Language or Pathologically Eclectic Rubbish Lister. And <laughs> there's a whole article here on how yeah, it, it is. But clever. Yeah. yeah. But uh, on the yeah. on the O'Reilly books that I bought, it called it Practical Extraction and Report Language. So I'm sticking with that. Yes. Right. And Moss 6502 wrote us, air fryers were a big hit in Puerto Rico last Christmas. So much so, apparently, they are responsible for a couple of major blackouts. We've had a small one for years, mostly for delicious fried plantains and bread food. And he also writes in, iPhones and MacBooks are both Apple, but there's value in separate market data sets. Facebook, the product. Instagram, the product are distinct products of Facebook, the company. There's value in separate data sets. I don't argue with that, but journalists do not uh, write about iPhones and MacBooks as if they're separate companies or entities. They write about Apple. And people write about, and tech journalists do tend to write about Instagram and Facebook as if they're completely separate entities. That's my only point. Good point. James writes in, while you guys talk about potty training, my mother used a coffee can. Yes, an actual metal coffee can to train me. She said the noise helped me with aim. Good luck, Brian. Uh, not sure if I'm going to go that direction, but thank you. Old man Sir Maxahalalop wrote us and said, face, look can, uh, face unlock can easily be defeated with a photo on many popular phone study finds. Well, shocking there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And he also wrote and said, I have a Galaxy S8. Facebook cannot be deleted unless you root it, which I've read is pretty easy to accidentally brick while doing. I have it completely not updated and removed its network permissions. You can disable it and sent a follow on tweet showing uh, four or five different settings that you actually have to set. Yep. And Mrs. Shiny Side writes in, by the way, I know I haven't commented in a while, but I had a Christmas pickle on my tree growing up. Whoever found it first got some cash. The secret was to lay under the tree and look up through the branches because the pickle would be hanging down as it was an ornament. So there. Somebody we know actually had a Christmas pickle. <laughs> Probably not German, because none of us Germans ever did. Uh, TJ and Stricky both sent us in the uh, bird box thing, and uh, Stricky also sent, uh, sent us in a link. Poland arrests Hui and Orange employees in spying case. Uh, it's actually pronounced Huawei, but Huawei. Huawei. I just like saying Hui. Huawei. <laughs> <laughs> and over GOG.show, Peter writes in, Remember, thou art mortal. History of the world, part one. And uh, he That's also right. comes back with Pearl, according to Larry, also stands for a pretty eclectic rubbish lister. 
Yep. Mike writes in regarding the Ikea shades. I can't wait for all the hilariously bad install videos. With only five sizes, the chances of them fitting in any given window seems low, which means they will be outside the window box overlapping wall or will have gaps within. What's the point of blackout shades if there is an inch gap on either side? Fair point. I went through Costco to purchase Bali shades back in September. The cost through Costco was at least 25% less the same less than same through the big box home improvement sites. They're battery operated Z-Wave with remote and uh, blah, blah, tech, 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 tech. Regarding Shields Up, it's absolutely awesome to come home from dropping kids at school and say, hey, Siri, start work and all my blinds go up, allowing natural light in. The office light turns on and the HomePod starts playing grumpy old geeks. Great show. Listen to you guys first thing Monday mornings at 5 a.m. going out for exercise. Nice. Thanks, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I like beer writes in Netflix and AI and crying emoji, uh, laughing, crying emoji, I should say. What I always wanted. Apparently, we shouldn't share our Netflix logins. Bad human. And it's an article over at <laughs> Yahoo. <laughs> Do you share your Netflix password? <laughs> New AI can sniff out unauthorized sharing. Now, yeah. Now, here's the problem with this. It, it, tell me if I'm wrong here, Brian. But like in the old days, we would just store the login IPs in a table. And then we would yep. put those IPs in an array with timestamps and mm-hmm. then kind of match to see yep. against the discrepancies. And it didn't really take AI. It took like about, you know, 10 minutes of thought and a little array manipulation. And we were done. You could tell if somebody was logging in from your account. I in no way, shape or form see why this would require anything that approaches anything that anybody even considers to be AI these days at all. It's just it's just IP. Matching. It's just That's it, take, it, it takes a little I. You don't need the A. It just takes some I. <laughs> yeah. And what I find interesting about it is that they're not using it to basically, unless it's egregious, they're not going to be deleting or canceling accounts, but they are going to use it to to give you a nice message to upgrade to a more expensive multi-user subscription. So it seems to me the only thing that you're really going to find out about this is if your ex is still using your login. Yeah. And the thing is, you can only have one person per account logged in for the cheap one. So if somebody's logged in, you can't yep. actually have multiple people logging in at the same time. So Yeah, it'll, it'll boot you yep. Over to iTunes, the Shogun of Harlem writes in, better than a poke in the eye. You could do worse things than subscribing. Brian and Jason are easily crankier than a senior citizen who just missed double coupon day at the supermarket, and you might just learn something from them. Well, thank you, Shogun of Harlem. Yes, thank you so much. If you want your question or comment read on the show, head over to GOG.show slash support and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air. And if you're so inclined, please head over to GOG.show slash iTunes and toss us a five-star and snarky review. And if you're listening on Overcast, hit that little star thingy. Closing shout outs. Rest in peace, Carol Channing. Very sad to hear that she passed away, but hey, 97. Pretty impressive. Good run. Mm-hmm. Good run. Until next time, I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. To support the show and keep us on the air, go to patreon.com slash GOG. Toss us a buck a month and we'll love you forever. If you'd like to give a one-time or recurring donation, go to GOG.show and click the PayPal button in the sidebar. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 312. There you can find links to old episodes, leave feedback, ask questions, and get links to stuff we like. Stay grumpy. Hello, Dolly.